Hi, guys. Welcome back. I'm Brianna. I'm Aharo. And I'm Demaya. And this is She Thinks She Knows Podcast. So everybody, we're back with another episode and we're back with another guest and her name is Robin and I met her about a year and some change ago now at a t- the Take the Lead Summit and it's an initiative that the professional sport teams um, in Massachusetts do to basically um, bring in more um, people of color into the front offices of sports. And so at that event, I met her, I immediately connected on LinkedIn and I've been kind of like following her journey in sport ever since. And so I've been wanting to get her on the podcast. So now is finally the time. So I will give Robin the opportunity to introduce herself. Hi, everybody. I'm Robin. Uh, like I mentioned, I was once a woman in sports in Boston. I'm still in Boston at the moment, but I have an extensive sports background. I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, where I studied broadcast journalism, Big Ten school. I always have to shout out my school. That's how I kind of got my foot into the like sports broadcast space. After that, I went on to ESPN for three years, worked in production. And then just last month, I finished up my time here in Boston with the Celtics as their digital marketing coordinator. So it's been about five years or so in the sports space professionally. But of course, before that, I've done internships and things of that nature, but happy to be a part of your podcast and just talk to you all about what it's like to be a woman in sports and especially a woman of color in sports. So uh, I was I was in the sport management um, program at UMass too. So I definitely can kind of think I understand some of the things you're going through. And so one of the major things that we're told when we want to get into the sport industry is that you're not going to get a high paying salary and that you'll be working long, hard hours for about the first five years. So what were your initial thoughts on that? And how did it transform? So that's crazy that you actually say five years, being that I hit the five-year mark. So I can touch on all five of those years. I definitely heard the same thing when I was in school, more so about the pay, not as much about the hours per se. But firsthand experience will definitely teach you a lot of things that you won't learn in a classroom. Um, I can definitely say pay is very low. Uh, I have talked about this with a lot of people that have asked. And for a little bit of time, I didn't really want to talk about it because I was a bit embarrassed, if I'm being honest, about how much they do pay and how much I was making. But I realized the only way that people can truly learn from my experience is if I'm honest about it and if I'm transparent about it. So while at the Celtics, I was only making $38,000. Yes, you heard that correctly. 38,000, I think 460 to be exact. And then before that, while at ESPN, I think by the time I left, I had touched 53,000. So I took a huge pay cut coming to the Celtics. Nonetheless, being in that space for as long as 
I was. I thought I would eventually make more, especially maybe after two or three years. But to see that that's the way it is for even past five years at times um, was very disheartening, which is why I have decided to take a step away from the sports field. And then in terms of the hours, I hadn't heard much about that in school. But once I got to ESPN, Oh, it hit me like it really hit me. So on their job descriptions, it always says you always know that little one right at the bottom. It'll say sometimes you're going to work nights, weekends and holidays. They really mean that. I mean, wholeheartedly uh, ESPN being a network that is 24 hours. You always need someone there around the clock. And I was one of the people that had to be there overnight. So my schedule for three years was 830 P to 5.30 A, meaning I was always there on third shift in the middle of the night, and my off days were Tuesday, Wednesday, so I didn't have my weekends, I didn't have my nights, holidays I was in, um, because a lot of those fell on the days that I was working, and because I didn't have family or anything like that in Bristol, it just made more sense for me to work and get overtime, but when they talk about the hours, that is most certainly true um, on the network side, on the team side, 8.30 A to 5.30 P. So I had a normal work day, but if we had the games, you still work those hours. So it is a lot of hours. It is a very low pay. I think um, most of it is about getting the experience, getting what you can and getting out of there. Um, so I'm someone who, I don't even like the idea of like working more than eight hours. And so I can only imagine <laughs> the kind of uh, stress that put on you and um, referring to one of the videos where you actually um, touched base on the hours and the work schedule, um, you mentioned that in the sports industry or in that field, they don't really uh, have a big response on like mental health and how they sort of like help you with that. So how was that experience? How did you kind of manage to express it and be outspoken about it um, in an environment where it wasn't really talked about? And then also to that, how did, what kind of ways did you manage it to sort of stick it out? So um, I've already, always been really good with mental health. Like I never have had breakdowns or had to deal with it very often. It wasn't until um, I got with this team in particular that I felt like I was getting tested every which way. And um, last summer, which I don't even think I have talked to many people about this. I kind of kept this to myself, but last summer I actually got written up um, at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was uh, for a bunch of stuff that was so minute and just wasn't important at all. Like not turning my camera on on Zoom or not going to the Zoom happy hours. It was the, the tiniest of things. And um being that the person that did it was my supervisor and we we're supposed to have one-on-one -on -one meetings and she was supposed to let me know how my progress was and we hadn't had any of those meetings and this write-up just came out of nowhere I was beyond frustrated I think that night was probably the lowest I have been mentally when I first found out and I am not the type where I let things get to me that much or for a long period of time. Like I'll think about it that night, I'll get through it. And then it's a matter of, all right, now you got to figure out a plan. You got to keep it pushing because I don't like to dwell. It just, it's not good for my growth, I believe. <laughs> um, but in that moment, when I realized that there were plenty of opportunities for her, her to come to me 
and talk to me about things in which he wanted me to change, i.e. having the camera on or coming to the little happy hours, things of that nature. Um, I realized it was never about her trying to be a leader and teach me and help me grow as a supervisor should. It was more so about her and looking good by like punishing me for things that she never even brought to my attention. Nonetheless, those, I was on a PIP, which is a performance improvement plan for like six weeks, I believe. And those had to be the six worst weeks of my life when it came to that part. I did go back to Chicago. So that helped me because we were working from home. So I got to be around my family. Um, but just going through that, like weekly check-ins, they were nitpicking every little thing and critiquing everything. I was the only one I felt like in the entire company that was going through things like that. Later on, I found out other people of color are dealing with similar situations. Nonetheless, um, it was just very difficult for me just to have someone criticizing me so much about things that they were supposed to be helping me with and helping me to grow, to become better at. Um, but I had talked to people above her, like VPs, SVPs, all of that and told them about like the toll that it was taking on me, things of that nature. And it was kind of just like, well, you have to improve in these certain areas. That's just what it is. Like you have this job that you have to do it is what it is. So of course I killed it and I ended up getting off of that and everything went well, but, um, it just put me in a, a space where I was more so defensive about me and my work and the things that I did and not being comfortable being completely myself and not feeling like I had people to advocate for me. So in those moments, um, mental health was on the down and down. And then they end up coming up with this initiative where they wanted to like talk about mental health, right? And I asked them once that happened, I said, well, how can you make an, a public initiative about something, but you aren't even checking on your employees that physically work with you all? And they said that they had heard things, but nonetheless, there was no plan in action to check on employees. And right then and there, I knew it wasn't about the employees and making sure we were good. It was more so about how they looked to the public. And that is something I just wasn't really down with. Nonetheless, even with all the bad, I will say that I had a great support system internally there. There were a bunch of women, well, I won't say a bunch of women of color. There's probably like five or six of us were in a group chat to this day. Um, they're amazing. They're the people I went to to talk to about it. They're the people I found out about other people being on the same uh, plans and just letting me know how it wasn't a me thing. It was more so an other people thing and them feeling um, intimidated by me or not wanting to see me grow because they saw my potential, all of these things. So at the end of the day, I realized it was never about me and my abilities. It was more so about them and trying to keep me in a box because I had the ability to do so much. So now I'm in a, a lot better uh, place mentally. Um, and I do make sure that now that I have the platform, I use my voice to talk about number one, what I went through, but also the importance of if you're in those situations, figuring out ways to get out and putting yourself first. Because at the end of the day, now that I'm going, I'm quite sure that they had that job posting up not too long after. I don't know if it's up for sure, but I'm quite sure like their main priority is getting that field. It wasn't about 
trying to see how my experience was in making it better for the next. It's like, all right, who can fill this position and what can we do to keep pushing forward? Hopefully that answers. I mean, yeah. And like, just hearing you talk, I just can relate to you so much. And I haven't even gotten to the field yet, but like, I like what I realize is that the college scene is like assimilation of the real world and yep. the real workplace. And so often I'm feeling crazy. I'm like, okay, like, are they looking at me like this because I'm black? Like, is it because I'm a woman, a black woman? Like, is it because I actually sound dumb? Like, what is it? And so like, I think that it's just in our nature to like say, when we feel something is wrong and it can really be intimidating. So I thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no worries at all. I definitely get that. And I think a lot of people end up silencing themselves because they don't want to cause an uproar. They don't want to like ruffle any feathers or they, they're just scared. And me, I know God got me. I always land on my feet. So I'm never worried about that at all. And it's not like I'm talking about what I went through in a disrespectful way. It's me really talking about what I went through firsthand from my experience. And no one can say, oh, no, that's not true. Like you weren't in my shoes, especially from their standpoint. You just have to eat it because you knew what was happening at the time. And now that I'm no longer there and um, you can't like critique what I put on my social channels, the world is my oyster. Like I can create whatever content I want. And that's what I did. Well, we definitely appreciate how transparent you are and how confident you are in your identity. Um, and going off of that, can you speak on the importance of building your own platform while working for the organization and then how that transition was eased by building your own platform into your own personal life? Yes. Listen, I always tell people building your brand is so important. Like who you are and what you put out there is a representation, obviously, of you, but it's also a snapshot of you for people to look at. You think nowadays, like when you submit your resumes online or LinkedIn is even a social media platform, if you think about it, just a professional one. The moment you submit an application, anything like that, the first thing they're going to do is Google you and find out what's on your social channels, whether that be the LinkedIn, whether that be a, a Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, things of that nature. So what you put out online is a representation of you, which I always feel like your social channels are your brand. It's the opportunity for you to really show people who you are, what you stand for, what you're capable of. And I feel like I learned that fairly early on, kind of when I graduated school or even at ESPN, and I realized the power of social media, to be quite honest, it's the way a lot of people get put on nowadays. And there's so many people I could touch on in that realm, like people that whose careers have elevated because of it, or people that become influencers, and now teams or companies reach out to them to do like social media marketing. So your brand is really who you are. And I think it is fairly important and just as I put time and energy into helping a team who's already established continue to grow their brand I feel like it's very important for me to do the same and that's why I was constantly posting pictures of what I did or videos answering questions kind of giving people a behind the scenes look at not just my life but what it's like to work in this field in particular and it's been very beneficial for me like I've gotten to meet 
amazing people like you all. There's a lot of students that I've been able to connect with. There's a lot of sponsorship deals that I've been able to get opportunities, like grow my brand to make money on my own, like on the YouTube channel. So I just think social media is very important. Building your personal brand is very important because at the end of the day, when you aren't with these companies anymore, when you're in between jobs or when it's all said and done, like you stand for you, you are your brand and you're speaking for yourself. I never want when someone thinks of me or if you all say my name, like, hey, do you know Robin? The first thing someone says or uses to identify me is my job. I want them to say, oh, Robin, the one has that has done all of these things and then list like the organizations I've worked for thereafter. I want my name to stand first and then everything I've done underneath because I've worked my butt off to build my personal brand. And I just think it's very, very important. Yeah, I 100% resonate with that because even going through college and, um, you know, in high school, they tell you like, they ask you what career do you want to do all that stuff and I never really seen I can never imagine myself in one kind of career and for that reason I feel like just what I did would end up being like you know the bet like that would that would be my pitch you know like this is just what I do not like I'm working to work for these people I'm working to work for that people it's like this is what I do and this is why you know I will be good for any any job I want to go into um and so when I got into college and, you know, you're in one track and when one major, I'm doing like building construction and that field, it's not, you know, there's not a lot of women. There's especially not a lot of women of color. It's a bunch of, it's men, you know, predominantly white men. And so like, I never could, I never felt myself like fitting in that space. And so I always thought in my head, like, okay, I need something else. You know, like I need something else that's going to balance out what I would probably end up subjecting myself to. Um, thankfully with our podcast, you know, in high school, we did a lot of things to reach out to younger women. And that sort of morphed into this podcast where we just thought this would be a great way to connect with people and build ourselves up and venture into other things. And so like that idea of just like branding yourself and doing, putting your work out there and making it just be connected to your name and not something bigger than you. It's just really cool. And so, yeah, (laughs) thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. Um, I just have to ask a follow-up question. Within your experience, so you talk about building your own platform, but drawing on your experiences um, as part of both major network, ESPN, and the Celtics team, can you reflect on key takeaways or key lessons that you've learned that you want to like bring with you into this next phase of life? That's a great question. One that I haven't received, and usually I always have an answer prepared, but... <laughs> I can think of one thing from each. So I think while at ESPN, the major thing that I learned was the importance of having a mentor. And I have an incredible mentor named Mo McMeekin. He still works at ESPN to this day. Always checks on me. He's like my reference for any new jobs that I apply to. He, he doesn't have a problem. He always just wants to see me grow. And I think we always stress the importance of networking, right? It's not always what you know, it's who you know. And that. When I say that right there is the key, like sometimes even over education, that is the key. It is always about who you know, because there are some people that they just go to college just to say they got the piece of paper, but they already have an end because they have a family member or 
uh, a family friend, someone that'll get them in the door. And a lot of times I see for people of color, we don't always have that. I don't have anyone that was in, in sports, like not, no athlete, like no one that I could think of was in the field that I'm currently in. And for me to be as successful as I am, I'm very grateful, all God that was working miracles in my life. Um, but I did realize that you have to have connections and people that want to guide you that want to see you grow so while at ESPN I was very very grateful to get an amazing uh, mentor who not only advocated for me he saw my potential and pushed me to be better he also knew that I was bigger than the role that I was in and made sure that I never became complacent and then even going forward like he knows I will never settle and I love that he pushes me to continue to do those things so that's definitely what I learned there. And here I have amazing mentors too. Shout out to Allison Feaster. She's like, I wouldn't even say she's a mentor. She's like a big sister almost at this point. She's just absolutely incredible. If you all don't know who she is, like look into her because Allison is that chick. Um, and then while here, one of my biggest lessons that I have learned would definitely be like I have two uh the first is never let someone's fear of your potential stop you from being who you are I believe that if I would have let everything that they said or thought or the ways in which they wanted to box me in stop me from being creative still putting out content on my own I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have or uh be in positions that I'm currently in and also know you and know your worth. Like don't let anybody else define that for you at all. And please know that if one company won't or doesn't see your potential, your value, your worth, somebody else will. They will come in and so swoop you right on up and they will treat you exactly how you deserve to be treated, the amount of money you want to make, the flexibility, the room for growth, all of those things. So you have to be confident in you. You all talked about my confidence, which I love. And I do understand that that's like one of my greatest attributes. I'm very confident in my abilities and trusting my journey. Um, but don't let anyone ever deter you from what you want to do. Somebody always going to hate on something you have going on. And it's most of the time they're jealous because they don't have that within themselves, if we're being quite honest. But don't let that stop you from doing what it is that you want to do. You push forward, you do the things that you want to do and trust that you know what you're doing and that you deserve to be in those rooms. You deserve happiness. You deserve flexibility. You deserve the pay. Like You deserve it all. And don't settle for anything that is not what you know you deserve. You were just speaking about um, just mentors and the, I guess you could say the black community in sport on the business side of sport. And one thing that I did learn um, was that, or that I have learned is that they like, there's a really strong black community um, and they're very willing to connect. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me um, it's kind of like being scared or intimidated. Like, oh, I, how can I like 
am I capable of reaching out to these people that are already in the industry? So if anyone else is listening, um, what advice would you have for someone that is trying to find a mentor, but is kind of nervous to do that? The first thing is stop what you're doing. Uh, do not doubt yourself at all. Like you said, the community is so close knit. And I think that's because we know each other's struggles. Like we know that we're one of few in these offices, on these teams, at these organizations. So if like me, I'm one of a few here, I know what I went through. I know the struggle. So I know somebody else that is the only one at another team or another org, they're probably experiencing similar things. And with that, we all come together because we understand each other and we want to help each other get through that, right? And for me, I don't have a problem reaching out at all. Like I'll reach out to anybody. I will go up to the president of the team if I have to reach out. It is If you're on LinkedIn and there's a message button, you will probably get a message from me because I'm not nervous at all. I believe the worst they can say is no, or the worst they can do is not respond to you. But guess what? Somebody's going to respond. So you keep sending the messages. So for you or for any student that is listening, any young professional that is listening, go do it. Like, just go do it. Write the message, send the message, send it to multiple people within that organization, send it to multiple people on that level. If it's a VP you reached out to, send it to four VPs whatever you have to do, but send it out multiple times and don't be afraid to do that. Because like I said, the worst that can happen is you can not get a response. Someone could possibly tell you, no, they can't hop on a call. They can't do this, can't do that. But somebody's going to tell you yes. And all it takes is one person to believe in you or tell you yes for you to be set up for success. So don't put that fear within yourself because I think they want you to reach out. They want you to ask for help. They want you to feel like you have a support system. So don't let the fear of rejection or being nervous stop you from that because you're basically just standing in your own way. So following that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to focus in more on what Robin is doing now that she has finished with that chapter of her life and is moving into a new one. So, yeah. Hi guys, we're back. Um, we're with Robin, former um, digital marketing coordinator for the Boston Celtics. And now we're going to get into more questions following you and um, your personal life. Um, one thing I noticed while I was on your Instagram page is that <laughs> you um, did uh, for Black History Month, you decided that you were going to promote Black businesses to all your home games uh, through your clothing. And you also talk a lot about representing your city, Chicago, and how, you know, everywhere you go, everyone knows where you're from. So can you speak about why it's important to represent yourself in that way? And also why it's important to stay true to your Blackness and um, sort of be that face for people that look like you? Of course. So like you already mentioned, born and raised in Chicago, I love my city, even though they have a lot going on sometimes. I will not lie. I love saying that I am from Chicago. I think in the media, there are so many negative things that are said about us. 
violence and politics, just a bunch of different things. But people fail to highlight all of the great people that come out of Chicago. Barack, Michelle, Chance, like there's a lot of amazing people from the city of Chicago. And I just want to be a light for the city. Like I'm from the West side. People never believe me when I say that they think I'm from the suburbs, but I promise you, I grew up on the West side of Chicago. Um, and I think because it is rare to see black women come from urban parts of the city and go on to be successful. It's like a unicorn almost. And I just want to continue to be like a representation, a good representation of the city. Like, damn, this girl grew up here. These are the odds that were against her. This is all that she's done. She still represents her city regardless. That's what I like. And I know that there are a lot of young people from there that I grew up with that didn't necessarily have the same opportunities as me that um, are still in the city and never really traveled outside of it. But I feel like there's so much more in the world, so much that I want to see. I can always go back home, fly back home, but they'll forever have a piece of my heart. So like I said, I always want to be a really good and positive representation of the city because not everything is bad. And then in terms of always representing my Blackness, I love wearing my natural hair. Um, as you can see in those photos, actually, for Black History Month, I was very particular about making sure that I wore my natural hair because um, a lot of times, I think when people of color go into corporate America, we always feel like we have to have our hair straight or we got to wear a wig to be able to fit in. Yeah, I don't believe in none of that. Like, I believe in being whoever you want to be and you're going to stand out regardless. It was still very well put together. Like, I never had any worries in that area. When it came to Black History Month and that in particular, I just wanted to do something for the month that was different than what I'm used to seeing. Um, the company had initiatives and they were just so lackluster. I'm like, what can I do on my own? I'm like, okay, a lot of companies, well, not a lot, maybe like two companies have sent me some clothes because I know the people that were there. And I was like, huh, wear this to a game, take my pictures. It's good visibility, not just like, cause cameras and things are there. Our players are there. They're always looking for like new clothing. Um, you know, I like to take pictures at the games. So it was like, oh, and all around. So for me, I was like, all right, let me go find some more Black creatives that create apparel pretty much. And I found a bunch. I went and purchased as much as I could. I think there were like seven games that month, home games. So I purchased enough to have for seven games. And I just wore them each and every game, shouted them out. Um, and I didn't want them like give it to me for free. That's what happens a lot of times. Like black creatives, when it comes to their work, people want a discount because you also black out. That's not my style. If they are putting their time and energy into it, I want to make sure that they are paid accordingly. So a lot of those people didn't even know what I was going to do with it. I just purchased it all in advance, started piecing together the outfits. And then that's how I ended up um, taking those pictures and putting those out, which I think was incredible. Might have to rework that for next year. But nonetheless, I just like, because I knew I was in a really good position in terms of visibility, that gives them more visibility and helps with their business. So it was just a, a ode to the Black creatives that 
have been putting the work in that put out really good apparel. Like a lot of their stuff was really cute. So it's nothing for me to try to toss it on and be cute too. Like they just, they just complimented me. So it worked. Um, but I just like that. I like being black. I like, I like our culture. I, I just love it. I love us. I love natural hair. I love soul food. I just love it. Clearly, guys, if you listen to her, she's a fashionista. Oh um, my God, not at all. I think that like on your on your social media and you liking to take pictures and you taking um extra attention into what you're wearing to games, I think that another like uh I guess culture that is like I guess lacking in women in sport, not necessarily black women, but women in sport in general, is like I feel like sometimes I'm like, eh, maybe I should tone this down. Like maybe it's too much fashion for them. But then I'm just like, eh, nah. Like no, I give like it, give it to them yeah. every time. Every time. Don't ever yeah. just keep keep giving it to them. That's all I say. And they're looking. They're always looking. And I feel like if you looking, baby, let me give you a quick show real quick. So that's how I feel. The little style line be my runway. Look, you over there, snap a picture of me real quick. They was <laughs> always flicking me up. So that's how I had such good photos. Yeah. Like I like, I love getting dressed. Like I like getting dressed and the idea of like, oh, you're in a job for so long that you sort of let yourself go. Like, no, you know, like I want to be able to dress up every day and, you know, maybe remind other people like, you know, this is your life. You can come and look like you want to be here at least, you know, I like that. And I feel like it makes me feel better. So they say dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And like you said, people get very comfortable, but me, Mm-mm. whenever I came in or something you know what I love hearing that they sometimes I think they thought it was I don't know if they thought it was a compliment whatever they always say where do you think you're going what you dressing for I, I gotta step my game up being around you no baby you should have been stepped it up being around yourself like <laughs> I don't see anybody as competition I like dressing for me I like being fashionable because like you said it adds to your confidence if I'm walking around I feel like I'm styling like I'm gonna do my job better like I'm gonna want to flick them up because I know I'm looking good over here flicking people up like it's just it's a revolving door of the energy a question I wanted to ask and I'm sure our audience at this point is very curious about um hearing everything that you talked about with your experiences like what do you think your pivot from the sports world was gonna look like can you give us like a sneak preview sneak preview that's a great question. Um, I have already started my next job, ironically <laughs> enough. Uh, and thankfully, shout out to Randy. He's going to have to listen to this. He's the one that found me for this position. So it wasn't even on my radar at all. I was interviewing with a lot of other places and he hit me up. He said, Robin, this position just became available. I think you'll be perfect for send me a resume. He told me a little bit about it. He didn't have all the details. I just sent my resume along. They hit me that Monday, told me what it was like. I said, what? This is a job? But it was so, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's beautiful. Um, wait, when is this podcast coming out? About so Friday. It could be released Friday. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> with that, I moving to Vegas like I told you all because that's just the place I want to be the role is actually remote and without spilling all the tea I'll be a content creator 
with a company that produces an award show for influencers. And I'll pretty much be creating the content around the influencers. So it's literally what my life. Like I watch them on YouTube. Like it's in categories that I like, like fashion, lifestyle, beauty. It's it's an extension of me, I should say. So um, it doesn't even feel like work. I don't know when I'm going to announce it yet. You all got a little extra oomph, like a little pe- people don't even know that much so far. They don't even know where I'm moving to or if I'm moving, where I move, they have no clue. But nonetheless, um, so far, the team is incredible. This role is unique. Like it's the first role. I'm the first person that is in it. I'll get to travel. They have tons of events. Um, and I think I may have to start putting some videos out because we're trying to grow their following account to, and it's written on one of these sticky notes, 10 million by 2025. So if I start putting out content and just trying to expand their brand, I definitely think we can grow to that, but be on the lookout. I will, at some point I'm going to announce it. I don't know when, but OTW it's on the way, but nonetheless, going to Vegas, working with a company as a content creator with influencers. So it's going to be nice, real nice. So to, to your role, social media, content creating, um, influencers, I took a digital media class and that's where I was like introduced to all things social media. And it's really the way that the world is moving. Every organization, it's the way that they're moving. So how did you get into like social media content creation um, and the way it looks today? Like, did you ever think that when you began, um, this would be what your role would look like? Or like, how did you get into what your role looks or what your work looks like today? That's a great question. I don't even think social media was as popping as it was when I was in school. So I was in college from 2011 to 2015. Mm-hmm. And I think Facebook was super, Facebook was where it was at back then. And then Instagram kind of came about, Twitter, we weren't as heavy, but people were on Snapchat too. Um, it wasn't until I got to ESPN because I could have swore down when I graduated school, I wanted to be a sports reporter, y'all. I could have told you like, that's where I was going to be. I was going to work at ESPN at an anchor desk. And then when I got there, I said, nope, that is not it for Robin. So um, I was like, digital is where it's going. Like, that's where it's moving towards. A lot of people are getting their information from social media. People are creating shorter form content because people just don't want to sit down and watch TV anymore. So when I started to realize that, I saw that they had created um, SportsCenter on Snapchat. I basically like shadowed that department one day and I saw them do the morning or the night show of that and I was like oh this is all it takes I could do this at home Mm -hmm. so I went home I bought this like green sheet from Amazon which is like my green screen I got the little poles to hang it up and I started shooting my own content I was putting things together and I was like well let me just put it out on my social media to see how people like it and they were rocking with it also think people just like me uh, to be successful, which if we're going to talk about something later, asterisk that people wanting to see me be successful. Um, and they were just really liking it. They liked the way that I was able to condense a full story into a, a short digestible piece that they can understand. It was quick. I throw in low memes. It was funny. So 
I was like, well, I'm liking this. Like I could do this long term. And I was just inconsistent with my schedule. But going forward, um, I like editing. I like that my new role basically is something that I would, would do on my own time anyway. So it's nothing for me to create content. I love seeing new content pieces. I love trying to replicate it. I love trying to do my own thing, come up with new things. That's why I'm so heavy on TikTok. I was recording TikToks before you all called me. Like I have a couple in a draft, they're ready to go. But all of that is where it's at. And I think the way social media is evolving, the way people are making money from it and are able to live their life on their terms from creating stuff that they want, all you need is an audience. All you need are people that are interested in what you're putting out and you can blow up like that. And that's what a lot of people have been doing. So I just experiment. I put it out and see what people say. But nonetheless, I know that I like it because I took my time and energy to do it. And that's why I think uh, social media is a way and it's been working really, really well for me. Going off of the social media aspect, you do Instagram lives? Um, that you call for the culture and um, it's clear that you've always had you know your in social media presence has always been something that you're active in but what kind of made you start doing that where you just speaking to people and highlighting their stories what what caused you to just go into that and <clears throat> remember that write-up I told you all about last year that <laughs> came from that write-up so mm. that write-up happened and a part of the write-up too was I had did something where I, um, it was like a story concept that I came up with. It was it was called like Celtics Culture, Celtics Week Weekly, where I highlighted what the players are doing for that week. And I put it on my story, had little interactive parts, all of that. And I pitched that. And they told me that is outside of your job description, basically saying I cannot do it. I said, say less. And I was like, I'm going to do it on my own. Then the write-up happened, ka 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 kaboom. And for me, that was... That was the, the role right there. I'm like, I could just do this on my own channel. Like, I don't need y'all channel to do my own thing. So I saw Instagram Live was was getting really active and like popular on Instagram. I'm like, I can do I can do the same thing. Like, why can't why wouldn't I be able to do it? I'm like, all I want to do is get 10 guests. I'll be happy. And guess what I did? Book 10 guests. I started doing those once a week or however, twice a week, whatever I was doing. And that's what that turned into. They're now all on my YouTube channel. Um, I haven't done those in a while either because, you know, things are slowed down. The world's opening back up. But nonetheless, um, yeah, that was the route I decided to take. And it was good. It helped me grow. It helped me reach a wider audience. I got to meet some incredible people and get my feet more wet with reporting and like interviewing. Mm -hmm. So power of social media you better start reaching out to people because the possibilities are endless when you do mm -hmm. I can agree with that <laughs> um really it's actually crazy because I'm like to the girls like oh my gosh this pandemic is the best thing that happened to this podcast because the world is ours like it's literally ours because of social media and everyone is on their phone and like the world's opening back up but they're still on their phones so yep. you're you're right so you told us to asterisk the part of people wanting you to succeed so this is the time for you to talk about that I love it so one thing I always tell people or my friends always, oh, 
they ask, but also just something I just noticed. So whenever I post something about like my job or a photo at the job or me going to a new place or me leaving a place, my analytics always shoot up. They skyrocket on those posts. And I was looking at some other girls that I know on social media and maybe, can I curse on here? Not, on. not super bad words, but like minimal bad words. Okay. They be shaking ass on the internet pretty much. So when they be shaking, I'll be like, oh, dang. And I'm slender. So I'm like, all right, I, I ain't doing, number one, I ain't doing it. Number one, I don't, secondly, I don't have nothing to really shake. So I'm like, all right, the guys or girls, whatever, my numbers ain't going to go up off of that. But what I realize is <clears throat> some females uh, in sports that I've worked with, they rely heavily on how they look in their assets, chest, ass, whatever it is, like to try to get opportunities for themselves. And um, I never wanted people to look at my profile and more so see my body as opposed to my work and what I'm able to do. My photos that have gotten the most engagement, like I've said, I'm always fully clothed and it's always a milestone in my life. It's an achievement. It's an accomplishment. And um, with that and looking at the analytics and how even with them shaking it down on the internet, like my stuff will still surpass their, theirs, even without as many followers, I realize people want to see me win. Like, and they want all Black women, period. If you're doing something great in your life, people want to see you win. Like they are rooting for you. I have a strangers reposting comments up the ass, like things, they just always skyrocket. Whenever I post an accomplishment or me at work, they, they love to see me in my element. They love to see me shine. They love to see me win. And like I said, I think it's because it's a rarity. You don't see many of us. You don't see many of us at the teams that we're with or the organizations that we're with and being able to do the things that we have done and still do. So when I keep knocking down barriers and walls and accomplishing things, people are just like, damn, this girl doesn't let up. Like she just keeps going. And I think they always want me to outshine my last move. So yeah, people want to see me win. That's my asterisk. I love it. I love it for me. I love that they want to see me win. I love that they're rooting for me. And sometimes we focus too much on the negative comments and who's not cheering for us, where we should be focused on who is cheering for us. And there are people that we don't even know, have never seen, that'll be the main one sharing, commenting, liking, whatever, to support what we have going on. So people want to see me win and I want to make people proud and someone that they're like, damn, I love supporting her. I love that she just keeps elevating. And that is, that's the plan. So my next move, I always say this, my next move is always my best move. Um, every time you run into me, I'll always be doing better than the last time you saw me. So if I'm leaving this and people thought this was the pinnacle and this was the end, I'll be all, come on now. That mean, I got something else up my sleeve that's even better. So don't even trip on that. Congratulations are on the way. <laughs> Robin, I feel like you're full of the perfect catchphrases and places to like end. <laughs> um, 
And so that brings us to the close of our episode. I think you said a lot of stuff that really resonates, that will resonate with our audience and obviously resonates with the three of us. Um, Before we close though, I would like to give you the opportunity to put your platform out there to our audience and um, tell them the different socials you're on. I'm on every single one, except for Snapchat, I think. Yes, I have TikTok, some videos will post it before this, they'll be posted after. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all Robin and Neil. So um, I don't say much on Twitter. I don't feel like I ever have much to say. I usually like these types of conversations instead of that. But nonetheless, if you ever want to reach out, send a message, like something. If you want to be a stranger that just supports me, like we already talked about, go ahead, follow me on those channels, interact. Um, I'm going to be a lot more active on my YouTube as well going forward with the videos that I posted about my experience, but also the next chapter of life, moving vlogs, all of that. So if you want to stay up to date on all of that and just see a Black woman and her excellence and being successful in the world, that's where you can find me. Thank you. And with that being said, we're getting to the end of our episode. To our audience, thank you so much for listening to this amazing conversation. Make sure to follow Robin on all her social medias and stay tuned for what we have next. Um, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>